0: Hey everybody! Uh, I'm preaching this morning. If you didn't know, uh, before we get started, how many of y'all are familiar with the Little Mermaid, the movie Little Mermaid? Um, we were sitting at the table at di- dinner. Megan, I, and the girls. I don't know if y'all know Hazel. She's our youngest. She just turned two in April, and um, she we, she does this game where she she holds up a thing or points at a thing, and you're like, she's like, what's this? And you're like, I don't know, what is that? And then she tells you what it is. Well, we had done that with a few things, and she held up this fork, and she said, what's this? And I said, I don't know, what is that? And she said, a hopper <laughs> That's what Ariel calls a fork in Little Mermaid, so y'all know. And we're like, no, that's a fork, though you did hear correctly and pronounce that word well. I feel like I'm a little hot. Am I a little bit hot? Turn me, me down just a hair. I'm going to wander over here and we're going to get feedback. Um, the Lord couldn't have set this up any better than he already has. Um, he put on my heart to talk about intimacy and what that means in relationship with him. And it's something that I've learned over the past few years that I'm not, I did not previously have. And it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, we're going to be in... Psalm 139, and I'm going to be reading this this main text out of the New American Standard Bible. And it should be, it'll come up as as we go along. So uh, Psalm 139, 1 through 7, and then 23 and 24. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my, and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? And we go down to 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if, there are, see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for setting the stage. Thank you for the word you've given me. Father, I pray I deliver it well and that you would anoint my words. Father, but more importantly, open our hearts to receive it. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. How intimately you want to know us, in Jesus' name, Amen. <sighs> intimacy is a word we normally associate with sex. It's a physical thing. You hear it's a it's a buzzword. You, you hear it, if you hear it on the news, usually you're linking it to physical intimacy, and it's not really talked about or at least for me growing up, it was not very much talked about in church. And the word itself uh, in the dictionary means a close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person or group. And so intimacy is a closeness, a familiarity with another person. You can probably relate to this with your spouse or with a good friend, a good best friend, or maybe your children. It's a close, it's just a known. There's an intimacy between two people. You probably know what it feels like. You've probably just not called it that intentionally. I find it important to understand that in Psalm, first of all, read all of Psalm 139, because it's so good. Um, but that particular psalm, though written by David, is written from the perspective of Adam. And it is a picture, we often read it and we when we picture it as a as a uh, synopsis of God's omniscience, but it is a pic, it is also a picture of an established, intimate relationship. It descri- it's a description of what intimacy is like for Adam. And so as we go through, we're going we're to look at what that means. And, and we see Adam and Jesus are the two people in the Bible that existed in perfect relationship with the Father. We know Adam gave it up, but we know Jesus walked in perfect, intimate relationship with the Father. And we, just, we talked about intimacy as a knowing, a, a knowing and being known. And the word know up here in... Uh, up here in uh, verse 1, or we can actually, verse 1 through 3 in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways. That word known, known, is the same word that is used when Adam knew Eve and they had kids. Anytime you see that word, that that particular word in Hebrew, it references all kinds of things from knowing, understanding, being acquainted, being familiar, uh, physical intimacy or sex. It is a a visceral closeness. It is a nothing between you type thing. Two become one. And so the original design and goal of relationship, if we look at Adam and Jesus, is that we are we are walking in uninterrupted connection. This is, a, this is an attainable thing, walking in uninterrupted connection to know him, but also to be known by him. It's a two-way, two-way street. And 1 Corinthians 8, 3, in the New King James Version, it says, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by God. We often focus on the knowing God part, but we don't often give enough attention to God knowing us. And, and we miss about 50% of what God has for us. Because relationships aren't one way. I mean, they can be, but they're not much of anything. If you were one way with your spouse, one way with your brother, your sister, your close friend there wouldn't be very much intimacy there. There would just be talking at a person who would be getting annoyed that you weren't listening when they talked. Anybody can relate? Don't, my wife raised her hand. So another, so uninterrupted connection. And we also see that from the perspective of Adam in in, in Psalm 139 in verse 5 through 7, you have enclosed me Behind and before, and you've laid your hand upon me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? This perfect, intimate relationship is expressed in this uninterrupted connection. Adam is in such an intimate relationship with God that he can't escape his presence. He can't leave it. He can't intentionally walk away from it. If you read the in-between parts for the verses we're not reading, he talks about how that that expounds on how he cannot escape God's presence. Wherever he goes, God is there. It's a oneness that is is just like when we when we initially become saved, Holy Spirit joins with our spirit and becomes one and they're inseparable. God is always with us. And so Jesus also reflects this in in uninterrupted connections. He only said He only said what his father would say, and he always whether or not he was in prayer or walking or doing ministry or lamenting, there was this constant understanding of connection. All right, everybody bored out of their gourd? Um, so what is intimacy with God? So we've talked, about, we've talked about an example, but what is intimacy with the Father? And we know what the, the, the dictionary definition is but I would like to think that it is a measure of depth and closeness in your relationship with a Father built on experience and encounters. If being known by God is to be known as a man, as a, as a husband knows his wife, that means there are experiences and encounters to be had that will define and refine a relationship. It's Like I said, it's not one way. It's not us praying at God and hoping things work out. It's a dialogue and a continual experience of God. He, he often reminds me of how he looks at me and how I do with my children. And not just, not just the disciplinary aspect of, of, my, of my kids. But I don't need a reason to go hug my daughters. I don't need... I don't, I'm not delivering a profound, important mission or commissioning to my daughters when I say, hey, come over here. You're beautiful. As I told both of my daughters this morning, when they got, all, they got all their stuff on, Megan had dressed them, and they just looked so pretty. And I was like, hey, guys, look at me, look at me, look at me. They were like, what? I was like, y'all are so beautiful. He doesn't, in an intimate relationship, there's no need to connect. There's not a requirement. There's not a, there doesn't have to be a purpose other than he loves us, other than we love him. And um, I find myself, it, it just, I'll be driving down the road and all of a sudden God's presence fills the car. And I'm like, what is it, Lord? And he's he, like, and you know, I don't get anything. Like, I'm just like sitting in God's presence confused because I've always associated it with some kind of commissioning or order or something that's going to have to be done. And it's not. He's just like, hey, I love you. I'm showing up. What's happening? What are you doing? Tell me about your day. Um, So intimacy with God is not always, doesn't have to have a to-do list. Doesn't have to have a mission. It's about love. It's about Him expressing His love to you and you expressing His love, or you expressing your love to Him. So why is intimacy important? Well, I mean, we just talked about a little bit of it, but... God, who is infinite, has designed us to be in an infinitely close, deep relationship with Him. And it's a hole that can't be filled by anything else. It's an infinitely deep hole. If you're, if you're reading Soulkeeping, there's a chapter in there about the soul being needy and God being... The infinitely generous, and how those match together. We can fill, we can fill our lives with things that, that please us, that that give us temporary pleasure, temporary peace, or temporary good feelings, or whatever they are. But they, they it's, it's like, it's like gas on a fire. It, just, it, it burns up. It goes away. Eventually, that that is that is. That's gone and the need returns. This is something I dealt with with my addiction, with my, my intense focus on work and my job, was this was my fulfillment and pur- purpose. This is who I am. This is my identity. And God wants us to know that we're sons and daughters and that from there, we can do all the other things. There's not a, a need to fill, a, to fill this void. You're not doing things because you're trying to fill, fill a void or put your identity in something. You're just walking in this peaceful, intimate, close relationship with God, and out of it comes fruit. Which leads us to the next point. Intimacy is the, is the root of fruitfulness. If you want to grow in anything... Often we think about gifts, prophecy, words, knowledge, healing; those count too. If you want to grow in anything, seek first the kingdom. Matthew six thirty-three. I know we're going out of order, Kaylee. I'm sorry. Six thirty-three. Seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be added to you. Seek first intimate relationship with the Father, and everything will be added to you. In John 15, five, it says, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit from apart from me, you can do nothing. That do nothing, that nothing word literally means no thing. Nothing apart from God. So when we're intimately connected to the vine and we're a branch, we don't have to strive to produce fruit because the nutrients flow out of the vine into the branch and produce fruit. That's just what it does. The branch doesn't sit there and go, bear down and fruit, yes, fruit. No, because the branch is connected to the vine, it produces fruit. And the father takes care of the vine, prunes the vine so that its fruit grows. So if you want to grow in anything, anything. Obviously, an intimate connection with the Father, hearing His voice. If you want to grow in your giftings, if you want to grow in interpersonal relationships, if you want to grow in finances, if you want to grow in whatever, business enterprise, whatever God's put in your heart, it starts with an intimacy, a closeness and familiarity with the Father. Now, what intimacy is not is religion. Religion is appearance without relationship. Religion is a set of to-dos and to-don'ts. And religion is all about do I look okay on the outside? That's not intimacy with the Father. Coming to church 52 weeks out of the year is not intimacy with the Father. Coming to church 0 times in a year is not intimacy with the Father. Participating and serving in a church does not make you intimate with the Father. It might be a step he calls you into. But intimacy with the Father is one-on-one. It's in prayer. It's built. And we're going to talk about some keys to cultivating that. Because uh, this, is, this is something that I was not familiar with. I prayed at God. It was always God's will prayers. Lord, if it's your will, I just want this thing to be taken care of. And the answer was if circumstances worked out. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I began to understand that God wants to talk to me directly and he wants to hear what I have to say. It's, not, it's, it's like when my kids come home from school. I have a two-year-old and an almost four-year-old. They did not do rocket science at school. Now, Isla might have. I don't know if y'all have met Isla. She might have. I know that they probably played on the playground, made a craft, had fun, took a nap, and then, and then we're done. But when they get home and when we're having dinner, I want to hear about their day. I want to. I know what their day was. I know all about them, but I want to connect with them. I want them to tell me about their day. And Hazel, it doesn't matter what you ask her about school. You're like, Hazel, what did you do at school today? She goes, uh, elephants. <laughs> I know that answer's coming. I want to hear it. God wants to hear the same thing from you. When you're talking to him, he doesn't want you to sugarcoat everything. He wants to hear about your day. Good, bad, ugly. How you feel about it. How you feel towards him about it. He wants to hear all of it. So, I've got four keys to cultivating intimacy with God. And I'll remind you, keys, I'm going to hand you some keys. It's going to be up to you To use them to open any doors. Just because you heard this message doesn't mean you've got it now. There's gonna be some walking out. So the first key is nakedness. Keep all your clothes on. Don't any of you start taking your clothes (laughs) off. Nakedness. In Genesis two twenty-five. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That's Adam and Eve and the garden pre-sin. Original relationship was completely naked. And they didn't have any guilt, fear, shame about who they were. They were completely transparent to God. They had nothing hidden. Shame tells us that we have to hide, that we have to feel guilty about things that, that we're keeping secret or in our past or that we're currently dealing with. An original relationship, which we have been restored to through Christ, thank God, is completely naked. Completely. The depth of my relationship with God did not kick off until I bore everything. I just sat down and I confessed everything in my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and asked Him for help and told Him I didn't know how. And that's where healing started. It says, boldly come before the throne and receive mercy. Well, you have to boldly come first. Mercy's waiting, but you have to step up. And you can't be afraid about bearing everything and not hiding anything. And back in Psalm 139 at verse 1 and 2 and 4, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar. Even before there was a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. God knows what, knows about us, but he wants to hear it from us. He wants to connect in that way where we're not hiding anything, where we're so close that he can know our thoughts from afar to where we invite him to search us and know us. Everybody on the same page? All right. That intimacy comes from being completely open, not hiding anything, not being scared about what you're going to say, but just bearing your soul. The second one, which is a fun one I learned, is humility. No, yay, humility. Humility is a low estimation of one's own importance. Um, a characteristic of humility would be the ability to acknowledge your own weaknesses, to not need to be right or to be submitted to authority. Those all sound fairly reasonable. This is something I had to actually learn in life. I had to be fired three times. To understand, I needed to submit to authority, whether it was authority I thought was good or authority I thought was bad. In this picture in Psalm one thirty nine, there's an interesting twist. Humility is about it's not only about your own view of yourself, but it's about re- being being able to receive, not only just receive the praise and the honor, but to receive the critique and the feedback in 139 verse 3 it says you scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways and we skip down to 23 and 24 search me O God know my heart try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way it is an in, you are in, an inviting God in to scrutinize you. You are opening yourself, you are bearing all, and inviting God in to make correction where He needs to make correction. And that's not the fun part about relationship. Just like with your husband or your wife, who can, and I always relate this to spouses, you can laser in on a button. Just, you've got, it's like, it's like the worst Cold War movie ever. Everybody's got their finger on nuke everything button. And if you're married or you are in a close relationship, you know your, your spouses, your, your significant others blow up everything. You can press it. You know where it is. And God, God wants to fix that. He wants you to take your finger off the button. Um, but that's why it's so difficult for us to receive feedback from our spouse. Is we, if we're not open with one another, if we're not being naked in our communication, we think there's this ul- ulterior motive in correction. Is the Megan and I, if when uh, she was she was in school and she asked me for help with some with some algebra, and when I was happy, I was happy to help her, and we immediately met an impasse like, just butted heads. I mean, if I start to give correction, it becomes personal. I mean, this is, this is a while ago. We've, we've made headway. Um, <laughs> everything, every, every piece of feedback becomes a personal attack, and everybody gets defensive, and then everybody's got their knives out, and they're ready to just, just stab people. And, and that's why humility is so hard for us to walk out, but especially with, with people that are close to us. Well, God wants to be that close with us, but he also wants to give us feedback, And he wants to tell you, hey, this right here, you need to not have in your life. Or maybe we need to cut out some relationships, or maybe we need to establish some new ones, or you know this thing you like to do that you've been doing for a while that's your security blanket, just let go of that and let me have it for a while. It could be a gifting. It doesn't have to be something sinful and bad. It could be your gifting. Maybe you're anointed to speak but that's taken a wrong place in your heart and god says well i need you to just sit down and be quiet for this season but lord that's not how you gifted me yeah just just sit down for me it was lord i need something to do he's like yeah you're gonna stay at home um and you're gonna take care of your kids but, Lord, you've, you've given me all these talents, and I need to go do, and I need to work, and I need to be pro- productive, and I need to provide for my family. He's like, yeah, you just need to be quiet and pray a while and take care of your kids and figure out what your wife does at home and, uh, and just be humble. Be humble and, and receive it. And that's what I did. And, Lord, it was challenging. Teachability. That's We're still under Humility relationship is two way why do we pray to god and don't give him time to answer i'm not saying there's not moments where you petition him he does tell us to petition him but are you are you yelling at god are you praying at god and then going and doing your own thing or are you praying making your requests known making your anxious thoughts known and waiting being still and listening. You're not going to learn God's voice unless you get quiet. Bless him, he, he speaks in an audible voice to people somewhere. He does not speak that way to me. And I have to be intentional in listening and making myself available to receive those answers. He wants to answer questions specifically. He wants to answer your prayers definitively but there may be a step you need to take. And if all we're doing is, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill, all right, we'll see you later. We're missing out on what God has. I can't, like, my Baptist upbringing always comes back to this. That's, that's how we operated. We were just like, Lord, we need this. And then we went and lived our lives however we're going to live them. And, and then if it worked out, God answered the prayer. And if it didn't, it wasn't God's will. Well, that's silly and that is stupid. God is a God of dialogue. God wants to talk to you. God wants to know your anxious thoughts. Wants to see you in your barest form and connect with you and show you His love and His goodness. Why would He leave that up to chance? Why wouldn't He laser in on that thing and be like, it gives me joy to answer your prayer, here you go. He does. We just don't give Him the time of day. The second half of that, we're we're, we're allowing him to scrutinize, is to be obedient. Several times in the Bible, obedience is better than sacrifice. In John 15, 10, it says, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. This is the fruit of intimacy, a desire to be obedient. When you connect to the vine and you're intimately connected, and you're receiving all of those nutrients all of a sudden your motivations begin to change you're like lord what can i do what can i do for you what do you want me to do here i am send me i'm not saying that there aren't moments where that's that's not challenging or that's not something we have to intentionally will but obedience is that you know better than i do i'm going to submit myself to what you have you know better. Your perspective is much larger. This doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to walk it out. And I'm going to trust. I'm going to have faith. You can't have intimacy without trust. You've got to trust him. And if you're not giving him room to prove himself, you're never going to develop that trust. The third thing is time. It takes time to build any relationship. I didn't... I, I didn't love my children the way I love them now when they were born. That makes sense. I may be the worst dad in here then. Um, I knew that they, that, that they were important and that I was going to be an important part of their lives and there was, a, there was an inherent caring love but I didn't know them. I didn't, I hadn't experienced them and the more I interacted with them as a father the greater that love grew and the greater the bond between us grew and that's the same thing with God God loves God's love does not have to grow towards you but your love has to grow towards God Uh, you have to spend time to have experiences and encounters you can't there's no there's no shortcut to an intimate relationship it's time, it's experiences, it's struggles, it's overcoming, it's life. In, Psalm, in, the, in the first verse it says, You have searched me and known me. That implies that there has been some experience. There has been some experience that, have been, that, that has allowed Adam to be known by God, to be searched by God. It wasn't just like, bam, we're together. You knew me. You searched me. You searched me five seconds ago. We're great. It's an intentional building of relationship over time. And in 23 and 24, as we just talked about, search me, know my heart, try me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. There's an endurance, there's a testing your relationship is only as good as the next crisis. If you and your significant other step into crisis and everything falls apart, well, there was a very crummy foundation under there. So that's what this time is setting, that strong foundation and identity and who you are in God, so when the crisis presents itself, you cling to a promise. When the crisis presents itself, you know, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High God, and he's got this. When the crisis comes, you can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you can be like, you can throw us in that furnace. Um, we're not bound to your statue. And even if we die, uh, we're not bound to your statue. Like God might save us, God might not save us. But we're not bound to your statue. That confidence comes from time spent in prayer. That, time, that confidence comes from established, intimate relationship with the Lord so that you see the fire, you see the weapon being formed against you, and you're like, that's not, that, that won't prosper. You might be anxious. It says, know my anxious thoughts. You get to be anxious. Okay. Anxiety's all right. You just can't live there. You just can't live there. Make it known to Him. Make an exchange with Him. Enter into that intimacy, intimacy with Him and be changed. Be fruitful. And the last one, Is intention. So we're naked, we're humble, we're spending time with him, but it all boils down to our intent. Relationship is a two way street and will only grow if our heart's desire is connection. The three months I spent at home taking care of my kids, learning how to be a father. So many things were happening. Learning how to be a husband. There was intentional time every day. I'm not telling you I'm not intentional right now, but I just so distinctly remember being able to spend hours with the Lord. Being able to just get quiet in what was then our office and just worship and pour myself out to God. And just, I mean, I mean, praying stuff like, Lord, I don't know how to be whatever it is you want me to be. You have to change something. I don't know how to discern. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to be a good Christian, but I need help. And then sitting there in His presence. It's just experiencing God. Learning what His presence felt like. I didn't know about that. I didn't know His presence was tangible. Until I was there, and then suddenly I'd noticed... Something I hadn't noticed before, and I was like, "Well, what's this?" And it just kept happening. And I was like, and then I would read, and then I'd come across, "Oh, well, this this is God's presence. This is God's presence. This is wonderful." Or maybe things in my life started ch- my things in my life started changing. My addiction, the desire for my addiction, left. Uh, my need to be right was pulled out, and I I had no idea where this was coming from. I had not made any significant change, so to speak. I hadn't been repeating positive words over myself. Not that that's wrong. I had been intimate with the Father and I was connected to a vine. And all these dead branches in me were getting trimmed off. The fruitful ones were getting pruned back. He was getting me ready. He was getting me ready. So if you're here and you want greater intimacy, all you have to do is want it. This is a great. Oh, this! I read this verse in Psalm twenty-seven, verse eight, a while back when I was just, I was just spending some time with God. It was there was no, there was no purpose. I was just hanging out. I say other than to hang out. My heart has heard you say, "Come and talk with me," and my heart responds, "Lord, I am coming." To get to where. It's a joy to enter in God's presence and just spend time with Him, just to connect with Him. And if you don't have intimacy or you feel like you've grown distant, like I said, it's just a matter of saying yes. It's just a matter of saying, Lord, I want to be intimate. In James 4 8, it says, Come close to God and He'll come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Give God your loyalty. Point your heart at Him. Get humble. Approach the throne boldly. And ask. And He'll come meet you. And it may not be over in a second. It may not happen in that moment. It might. But He wants to connect with us on an intimate level. He wants to be part of our everyday. He wants to be in in your thoughts, enjoying the life you're living. He wants to be with you consciously in those moments. All the time. Not just in your prayer closet for an hour. Not just in your daily devotional. Not just when you drive in your car and no one else is in it. Every moment He wants to be connected to you and express His love to you and through you. And it's possible if we just point our hearts at God and seek Him. There's a place here just despite our efforts, we can't, we can't escape God's Spirit. There's a place where you can be, where God's Spirit is surrounding you at all times. And then the last verse is John 17, 3. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, to know you, the first way, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. To know God and to be known by God. God. So that's what I want to ask you today. You may know God, but are you known to God?